First of all, I want to thank everybody. Yes, as Ariel said, this is the last Zoom class actually in this living room, in, in this house. Believe it or not, I'm moving, God willing, in a couple of weeks. I'm moving to a different part of Florida. And I'm just very, very excited that this, eventually, we're going to, God willing, next week on Tuesday night, we're going to start with live classes. Tuesday night will be opening night. And I just want to give you a little bit of a preview of the chart that we made that literally this is all my classes, all of my classes into a chart made by a very good friend of mine that we're going to share with you. We're going to go through the process of going from darkness to light. This is going to be next next week's Tuesday night. It will not be Wednesday night anymore. It's going to be Tuesday night, God willing. So that is next Tuesday night at the Lighthouse, which is on 2600 Northeast 29th Street, right by Aventura. First of all, it's a pleasure. I, I want to, again, thank everybody all the support. There's been a lot of highs and lows. and Thank God we're here. And today we're going to finish off by talking about one of the most important topics I can speak to you today about, which is called self-esteem. Before we talk about self-esteem, I also want to congratulate the 500 people that have signed up for the 40-day challenge. And I want to really, really, really reward them, pray for them every single day. My prayers, I'm praying for you guys to have the strength to continue to have this challenge because I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I would be nowhere today if I didn't, if I didn't work on the addictions that I had, if I didn't work on the, the issues that everybody's going through, I would be nowhere today if that was not done. So if you really want to start a new beginning, 99% of the issues that we're going through in life are very connected to that issue. This is why I talk about it so much. So, again, I'm very proud of the response that we've had. We've had over 500 people, maybe 600 people already signed up, women, men. And you can, and like Rob Nachman says, it is a general remedy. It's such a cleansing. And we, that's, it's not like we don't have a vessel. It's just that the light's not coming through. And this is, these are with the blockages that we're going through and the, all these situations today. So, today, guys, I'm going to talk to you about self-esteem how important is self-esteem if rabbi nachman told you there's one torah that i want you to keep with you your whole life your whole life there's one torah that i want to keep with you from nachman referred to the word azamra azamra means i will sing with what i have he says if all any of the torahs you're going to live with this is something you're going to live with all your life we do this because there's always going to be something off. We're not in this world to be whole. We're in the opposite. We're, we're, we're more broken than whole. We were broken in areas of our lives and health. We're broken in relationships. We're broken in some of our marriages. We're broken in some of our health. There's nothing whole in this world. Nothing is whole. Everything's broken, needing to repair. This is how we're made. This is part of the tikkun process that we're all, nobody's perfect. Those that strive to be perfect, just an illusion, but what do we do with all these breakages? What do we do with all these failures? What do we do with all these blockages that we're going through? What do we do with it? Unfortunately, if we don't have the right mindset, we start to lose ourselves. We start to lose our, 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 where we come from. We start remembering, you know, today, everybody talks about identity theft. And, they, and they, they're like, can you believe what happened to me? Somebody stole my identity. How dare them? How could somebody steal my identity? It's horrible. I said, you've been, your identity has been taken spiritually. 
The Yetzirah has taken people's identity. People don't even know what they are anymore. They don't know who they are anymore. They, don't, they lost themselves. Not only have they lost themselves, when it comes to working on themselves, they, do, they would do anything to avoid dealing with themselves. Even when it comes to five to ten minutes of, a, of, a, of meditation, they'd rather be somewhere else. So you could see how much brokenness and how much failure has affected us, how much bad relationships and how many broken hearts people have out there. You could see how much has affected us and how much we've taken this personal. And unfortunately, this has led us to having a very dense self-esteem. Because of the self-esteem issue, which is what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is an opinion of what you're worth. It's led us, when we lack self-esteem, we, we don't, we don't, our relationships are horrendous. We, we don't want to deal with any failure, so we'd rather be in comfort. We, I'm going to talk to you about 13 issues that we give our energy away. So this is what happens when we lose ourselves, when we stop remembering who, we're, who we are. We stop remembering that we're the son of the king. We stop remembering our, the, the powerful soul that we have. Then all of a sudden, we start losing ourselves. This is what's happening today. This is what's happening in life. People don't want to drive anymore. People don't want to push anymore. People don't want to, they, they, don't, they don't have a sacrifice today. Very few people you see. What am I willing to sacrifice for? And this is why there's such a connection. Remember this line. There's such a connection between self-esteem and efforts. When I talk about this 40-day challenge, guys, you're going to need a lot of effort. But you have it inside of you. This is the word ratzon. Ratzon is, comes from the word keter. Ratzon means will. That means God put, it, put inside of us this un, unlimited willpower and an unlimited potential that we have. But the problem is we're not tapping into it. And this is why Jews stayed in Egypt. 80% of the Jews stayed in Egypt because they lacked the desire and they lacked the confidence to get out. So they suffered from a slave mentality. And today also, many of us have suffered from the slave mentality, have suffered from the victim mentality. And I always tell people one line that I remember, and this is something that I live by, that if you think the price for failure is expensive, you have no idea what the price is for regret. The price of failure is like a peso compared to the regret that you can have in life. So if you recognize that, you're, you're going to go all in. You don't care about failure. But if you don't recognize that, that there's going to be a, a, a heavier price if we, don't, if we stay in fear. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me how you know, the girls in her older, her older 30s, and, and she clearly has the same issue. She suffered from some kind of trauma. And anybody that comes in, she doesn't let them in. Why? She's afraid to get hurt again. But I, I explained to her very simple. No ego, no injury. No ego, no injury. Big ego, big injury. To the, to the connection, to the... To the the connection between our ego and pain is very, very connected. That means if I don't have a big ego, I'm not going to take it personal. If somebody doesn't love me, they don't love me. If somebody doesn't like me, they don't like me. I don't need your approval to like me. So, again, no ego, no injury. 
big ego, big injury. Because in my whole life, I'm dependent upon you. So we, what happens is, is we're missing a lot of opportunities. Missing a lot of opportunities because we're going into relationships. We're afraid to get hurt. So what happens? We put, we put walls down. That person doesn't get closer to us. We don't open up. One relationship goes bad. And then what do they say? Oh, the relationship went bad. She doesn't speak. She's emotionally closed up. You have no idea. And what was the cause? Trauma. Trauma. Trauma, pain, etc. And we need to understand that. We need to recognize the purpose of the past. The purpose of the past is to elevate us, not to break us. God created you all day long. When we say Kiddush on Passover, in the Siddur, all we're talking about every single day in our prayers is that we are not slaves anymore. God took us out of Egypt. But unfortunately, what we're saying and what we're doing is two different things. You are out of exile. You are not in exile anymore. You are not in a slave mentality anymore. Get out of that mindset. That mindset today shows nothing more but gets you one thing. There's two things that your creator cannot stand. There's two things your creator cannot stand at any expense. One is ingratitude, excessive complaining, and the second one, self-pity. Rabbi Rush says in his book, The Garden of of Gratitude, there's two things that put a person, bring a person such, nothing but sorrows, nothing but headaches, is ingratitude, complaining, and self-pity. You have to ask yourself always the same question. Do you want people to look up to you, or do you want people to feel sorry for you? You need to understand, sometimes our relationships have put us in trauma. We've lost ourselves Sometimes failure, we've lost ourselves. Sometimes a childhood, sometimes a body image. So many issues have caused a person to lose their self-worth. And once they lose their self-worth, everything goes down the drain. And why I speak about this so much, I speak about this all day long in my recovery centers. Because what happens is to the extent that we have a dented self-image, we make everything about us. So what happens, I tell a typical, a typical, let's say somebody in my facility. I said, listen, if you don't work on your self-esteem, it's going to cost you everywhere. What's going to happen? You're going to go on. You're going to get into a relationship. All of a sudden, they don't like you. It's going to trigger you to use again. All of a sudden, you show up in a job interview. You're speaking to the owner. Next thing you know, he picks up his phone. You're going to say, you see, he's not into me. You look, he's on his phone. Maybe his wife is pregnant. Maybe something else is going on in his life. But because we lose our self-worth, everything becomes about us. Everything becomes emotional pain. Everything becomes a story. We take up all the room, and there's no godliness in our lives. There's no, there's no godliness in our lives. There's no growth in our lives because we're taking up all the room. And more importantly, we're not letting our, our creator in. So I can't tell you, I can't tell you enough how important to build your self-esteem. And this is why we start with discipline. So let's talk about the steps, some of the, some of the things that can cause, we already know what can cause self-esteem, but what, 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 how, how, do they change, how do they affect every single one of our lives? And you need to understand, the way to build your self-esteem is through momentum, is through doing the exact same opposite things that you were doing before is to become more humble, not to take things personal, not become, not become self-centered. And we're going to talk about that. So number one, 
we need to understand that that discipline is leads to freedom. If you want to be free in our lives, we need to have discipline. I would say today, more than ever, there's so much noise out there. There's so much noise, no matter where you go. If it's noise, if it's not noise out there, it's noise inside of here. So we also have to discipline ourselves. To be careful, we're thinking about if to discipline ourselves of all the exterior voices, of all the people saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not a good learner, I'm not good this. Let me tell you something about my life. I never went to yeshiva, I never went, I went to public school. All I had is one thing, desire. The rest Hashem took. All I had to do is push. The rest Hashem did. I had nothing else to do but desire. Skills, I didn't have them originally. It came to me because of desire. That means you have to focus today more on I will versus IQ. If you focus on too much of IQ with no will, you're going to get nothing. The I will has to be so much stronger than the IQ today. There are brilliant people out there that they have no desire. They, they, they have no, no character. Brilliant, crazy, crazy IQs, but they think they know everything. They're not willing to put the effort, extra effort. So remember, the number one is discipline. Discipline is everything. And this is why I started the 40-day challenge. I want people to develop discipline. I want people to develop a mindset of, right now, I'm going to cool down my impulses, and I'm going to heat up my vision. I want people to develop a mindset that I don't want you to be in the, the buy now, pay later mindset. This is what happens when we lose our self-worth. We don't have discipline. And we do what? We buy now and we pay later. And what you have to do is you have to starve your distractions and feed your focus. You have to do the opposite. Not now. I want it later. And this is the beginning. The effort and self-esteem are very, very connected. More self-esteem, the more effort you're going to put in. Less self-esteem, very low effort. And this is how we know. Our self-worth is based on our efforts. Very, very important. So number one thing is definitely is the importance of delayed gratification, the importance of discipline, the importance of investing in our future self, the importance of putting down the distractions, putting down the quick, immediate, immediate dopamine for long-term dopamine, for long-term, long-term meaning, long-term purpose in life versus the quick dopamine that at the end of the day, I'm going to feel shame. So number one, you got to put the effort, but you have to have discipline. No self-control, no self-esteem. It's all connected. It's not possible to have that. The second aspect is, is the, the importance of not allowing yourself to give away your power. You have a certain amount of power in your day. You have a certain amount of energy in your day. And what happens is when we're giving away our power by saying, this person made me angry, that person did that, he caused me emotional pain, that one caused me, I cannot win if I'm giving away power to the extent that you take things personal, you're giving away all your power. When you say this person made me angry, no, you yourself were, were, was angry, that person just triggered it off. 
nobody can make you angry. Nobody can hurt you because at the end of the day, you're the one interpreting everything. You take it personal, you get hurt. The more ego, the more injury. Of course, this is not easy to do. This is not easy to do. It takes a tremendous amount of his to do it. It takes a tremendous amount of effort. But if you want to live a happy life, if you want to live a life of success, if you want to live a life of amazing relationships, you take it personal. You're going to get hurt. Hurt people hurt others. You need to understand that concept. The way people treat you is a reflection of themselves. But if you make everything about you, you're always going to be in pain. You're always going to be self-centered. You're always going to be, and this is exactly the opposite of what our creator wants from us. He doesn't want us to be the center of attraction. This is exactly what we read. We're about to read Parsha Shmot. We're about to read what's happening in Egypt. All the concepts about Egypt, blaming Moshe. All of a sudden, they're complaining about the melons. They're complaining about the cucumbers. They're complaining about the free fish. They're complaining about the, why'd you leave us here in the desert? Look what you did to us. That was the victim mindset. And we all know that Hashem was doing what? Hashem was about to take them out to give them a promised land. But all they were focusing on was the pain, the emotional pain. They they had nothing but self-pity. Self-pity doesn't get you nothing but a story. We have to stop talking about our exes. We have to stop talking about our past. We have to stop talking about our childhood. We have to make peace with it. And the purpose of the past is to make you stronger. It's not to break you. And if we can't understand that concept, we're going to be in therapy for a long time. I hate to be insensitive, but you have to understand there's only one way. There's the Torah way. It's simple. You don't have to think too much. Shem says, forgive the past. You forgive the past. It doesn't require too much logic and intelligence. Sometimes your intelligence is what's getting you stuck there. It's called no ego, no injury. Big ego, big injury. Bottom line, I hate to make it so simple, but this is it's what it's all about. The less likely, and this is exactly, this is exactly what our sages teach us about Moshe Rabbeinu, how much they, 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 how much they went after him, and yet he still forgave. He still forgave everybody. He was forgiving. Not only was he forgiving them, but he was standing up for them. So you could see that the Koch Moshe Rabbeinu, that he had the ability of Ma, he had this humility in him. Another person would say, get me out of here. You know what he said? If, you're, if you don't forgive them, I'm off the book. What, what kind of level of humility do you have to be on to say, not only do I want to have nothing to do with these Jews, and nothing to do, and, I, and Hashem even told Moshe Rabbeinu, I'll give you your own Torah. He says, no, if they're not coming with me, I'm off your book. And you understand the level of humility? The, the opposite of a victim, the opposite of this mentality? And this is what we need to understand. So again, stop giving away your power. You have a certain amount of power. You need your brain. You need to function. You need to succeed. How could you succeed if you're giving away power? How could you succeed if you're giving away your power to pornography? How could you succeed if you're giving away your brain? So we need to get a grip. And I tell people very simple. I can outwork you. You have to do the work. I've already got, I did this already. I did this, all this, all this pain that I went through when, when I was fixing my bridge and I was fixing my situations years ago, I, I went through very, very dark roads. 
to get here today. I paid that price already. But you cannot get anywhere if you're not willing to pay some kind of price. And you need to understand that. Everything has a price. You want Shalom Bayez? There's a price for that. You want peace of mind? There's a price for that. If you want something, you have to be willing to pay the price. If it's going to come easy to you, if you're already thinking and want something easy, you're in the wrong mindset. Your mindset's already off. This is exactly what Hashem is telling us. So stop giving away your power. Stop taking things personal. Stop making everything about you. And believe me, as a Scorpio to tell you this, it's because I've worked on myself tremendously to know that how much energy I used to give away for absolutely no reason. Number three, successful people also, the, the greater the self-esteem, the lower the ego, the, the bigger the perspective. So when I have a big perspective, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to open, be open-minded. I'm not willing to be stubborn. So to the extent that self-esteem increases, ego goes down, perspective widens. You have a wider perspective. The more perspective, the more gratitude. The more perspective, the more I see opportunities. The same thing also. When self-esteem decreases, ego goes up and perspective goes down. Small mind, closed-minded, and what follows? Anger and depression, etc. So we, we, have this, we need to see the magic shift of where our lives could be if we're too stuck on one way. Number four, spiritual connection. It's, I can't tell you how many times, anytime you're going to start a spiritual connection with your creator, there's going to be a lot, a lot of barriers. There's times where we get to speak to our creator, we feel nothing. We're, fe- we're feeling rejected. We're feeling the, that, that our prayers are going nowhere. We're feeling like, what am I doing? What is this working? Is this a moon of stuff working or not? Forget this. We talk about, let me just work harder. All of these mind games that if we don't have proper self-worth, we're going, we're going to follow off the yellow brick road. We're, we're going to stop praying. We're going to stop doing what we're doing because we, we, we don't recognize our worth. We don't recognize how valuable we are in our creator's eyes. So if you recognize how valuable you are in your creator's eyes, then there's never a stop. You never stop because you recognize your, your, your own greatest point in front of your creator. But the same is true. I think my creator's not listening to me. My creator doesn't care about me. I'm going to check out whenever, whenever the winds come. So your spiritual connection with the creator, is, as Ram Nachman says, is built on your nekudah tova. Is built on your own good point that you have to find in yourself. And how do we know this? We know this from the Jews. The Jews served an idol. And all of a sudden, what happens? They served the Beit HaMikdash. That means they went, what did they, tell, what did they tell Hashem? We are black, but we're beautiful. We are blackened with sin. We're blackened. We're blackened in the worst spot. But we're still beautiful in your eyes. And that's the, exactly the attitude you need to have when you fall down. When you fall down, you need to go back and say, I'm black, but I'm beautiful. Yes, I'm blackened with sin, but I'm not going to hide in shame. Yes, I feel upset with what I did. Maybe I let myself down, but I'm still showing up, even with the blackness, even with the blackness, even with all the schmutz and all the, the, the addictions that I have, I'm still showing up to you beautiful. And Reb Nathan says that when you do that, not only do you change and you create momentum, but you create a favor in heaven. So by, by judging yourself favorably, you actually get more mercy above. Unbelievable concept. But, but when you judge yourself unfavorably, what happens in heaven? They give you dinim. 
so you can understand that you're here to win, you have to judge yourself favorably. To the extent that you have proper self-esteem is is the way you're worried about pleasing people. You have to recognize that you're going to piss people off in life, and there's nothing you could do. Like these classes, they're not for everybody. Some people like them, some people like don't like them. I couldn't really, not really interested in who likes it, who doesn't. If you like it, I'm giving you what I got, giving you what I've learned. But not everybody's going to like it, and it's okay. So people-pleasing is really something something very, very connected to a low self-esteem. So when the self-esteem is greater, we don't have to become a doormat. We don't have to be people-pleasers. We don't have to run exactly what they say. We could say no. We could, we could be honest. We could be respectful. We don't have to say yes to everything. Saying yes to everything is too much of a doormat mentality. Maybe you're afraid to be rejected. So having healthy, healthy self-esteem, not only do you, do you need all this, you need all this validation, but at the end of the day, you don't have, you don't need approval from anybody. That's the key. Can everybody hear me? Can everybody hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I just want to make sure people can hear me. Somebody just posted it. They can't hear words. So again, to the extent that the validation and people-pleasing is also, your relationships become much better. Dating becomes much better when you have proper self-esteem because you're not so focused on people-pleasing. Of course, you have to have good midot, of course, but like I said before, you are not your mood. Everything else is not based on this guy's opinion. People with healthy self-esteem also do not care if they fail. They don't fear taking risks. They don't fear getting married again. They don't fear trying new things out. They don't fear taking risks where people with very low self-esteem will, will, are very afraid to take risks. Because what happens? What happens if I fail? What will they say? What will they think? Instead of, what do I need to do? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Not what, what will they think, but what do I need to do? A tremendous change. So your ability to be a risk taker, your ability to take calculated risk, your ability to start new things, even in a marriage, even dating, it's not dependent upon failure. That means, yes, I can take a calculated risk. I'm not going to get it every time, but I'm not going to be so upset if I fail because I recognize that everything I do and everything I get in my life is only a result of my creator blessing me with it. If, if, if it didn't succeed, because my creator didn't want it to happen. If it succeeded, because my creator wanted it to happen. So the problem is, is when we, when we take this control into ourselves, and things don't go right, we start blaming ourselves for the failure. We start blaming ourselves. We start saying, you see, my mazal is not good. My mezuzah is not good. This is not good. Maybe your creator wants you to learn a lesson. Maybe your creator wants you to create, prepare a bigger vessel. Why are you taking everything so personal? Why are you becoming a victim of self-pity? It didn't work. Adjust, change, move on. Why are we making some? This is what the opposite of humility is. Lack of humility is everything's me. Everything's me. They're talking about me. Self-centered. My failure. I failed because of this. I blame that. That's being too self-centered. That's arrogant. Self-centeredness. The opposite is being selfless. Recognizing that your creator has a much bigger picture and you don't know any. You don't know everything. So there could be a lot of blessings in the sky that you're not letting in. 
your ability to take responsibility, which is a very big concept. When we're, we speak constantly, in the, when we speak in the ketubah, when, we, when you give your ring to your wife and you say, God willing, Hashem bless all these women that should get married. And you say, I'm taking responsibility for you. I'm taking responsibility to nourish you, to provide for you, to provide shepherd for you, to take care of you. When you say that, what are you drawing? You're, you're drawing lachut. You're drawing kingship from above. You're drawing all of a sudden your channels all of a sudden became from very small channels to become huge. Because what happens is when you start taking responsibility and you take action in your life, your creator creates, blesses you based on the state of responsibility, which is called malchut. Malchut is the vessel in which all life comes to. But what happens is we don't take any responsibility. And we don't, when we stay away from change, we stay away from any kind of responsibility, what happens is there's no light, there's no, there's no vessel for all that light to come in. So these, so the blessings, is, unfortunately, does not come because there's no mahut, there's no kingship, there's no mahut, there's no blessing. So to the extent that you take responsibility is to the extent that you're going to get blessings. Very, very important. The opposite of responsibility is, is, is running away from your responsibility, running away from what you need to do, etc. You have no idea how many people you know, when I hear, I was speaking to Nella the other day, she's telling me some of these groups have 70%, 70 women and 10 guys looking for it. The numbers are horrific. Where are the guys? Where in the world are the guys that want to get married? Where are they? Where in the world are they? Where in the world are they? And this is what we're trying to fix. Maybe they're with the wrong girls. Maybe they're spiritually insensitive. Maybe they're in the wrong places. That is not taking responsibility. Another thing that self-esteem will give you, it will allow you to spend time by yourself. We have, an, we have a problem today that nobody wants to spend time by themselves. People would rather torture themselves than spend time with themselves. And this is a problem with the lack of self-esteem. I'm not going to speak about this all the time. You have to spend time with yourself. You have to get to know yourself. You have to know what clicks. So people that have healthy self-esteem, they enjoy spending time with themselves they enjoy developing themselves. They enjoy reading. They enjoy empowering themselves. So people with low self-esteem, they can't be by themselves forever. So what happens sometimes is you become codependent. You become codependent on other people. If they're, if they're, if you're fear abandonment, next thing you know, you get into the wrong relationships because of a codependency issue. The rooted in lack of self-esteem. And this, you could see, I mean, I, I've never seen a subject that can affect everything. Absolutely everything across the board, how much a person's self-worth is important in everything. Because if he doesn't have self-worth, he's going to fear abandonment. And what's going to happen? It's going to be codependent and on sometimes the worst spouses, places that he shouldn't be in. But because he lacks his self-worth, he becomes dependent on other people instead of dependent upon Hashem. He doesn't recognize the true point in his own life. People with healthy self-esteem, they come to the world with a lot, a lot of gratitude. People with low self-esteem, they're always expecting everything from everybody. So the, the expectations versus appreciation is very connected. You hear this today. I want, you better pay for my student loans. You better pay for my this. You better pay for that. You better pay for this. Take the money from the rich. Take, give it to the poor. Just this mentality, Shem Yerazot, Shem Yerachem, 
anybody that supports this mentality is an anti-Torah mentality of, I don't have to work. I just get it from everybody else. I'm entitled to everything. This is so anti-Torah across the board. But Hashem wants you to develop your soul to be not only the giver, not only the, the he doesn't want you to be a taker, he wants you to become a giver. This is what the Gemara says. Those who, the one who hates gifts shall live. Because this person believes in his, in his own strength that he's able to give to others. Why would he want to receive from others? Why would he want something that's not his? Again, low self-esteem. Everything's expected to me. I don't have to do anything. I should just be entitled to it. Another aspect of self-esteem is they don't, people don't expect immediate results. I remember the first time doing both to do it took me six months to have any kind of connection. So when you have low self-esteem, you're, you're not going to go and put a lot of effort. Well, I tried the 48 challenges, it didn't work. Well, what kind of effort did you do? What kind of effort did you put? You're putting in an effort of a second grader. Is that what you're worth your whole life? Get some leverage. This is the kind of this is the kind of effort you're putting in. Come on. And that's where it's connected to its immediate results. Like the Vilna Gaon said, whatever you're doing in spiritually, whatever you do in life, you plant the seed and you walk away. You don't even look at the seed. Don't look at it. Don't look at the scoreboard. Plant the seed and walk away. How in the world did Rabbi Akiva, after losing 24,000 students, how in the world did he start over with five, with five new students? What in the world could we say about Rabbi Akiva's self-esteem? What would you do? You lost 24,000 students, you're going to start over with five students? What would Boaz do when he lost 60 of his children and his wife? How in the world did these, did, did these two giants start over? Because they were not focusing on the prize, they were focusing on the process. From Boaz, this double comes out, and from Rabbi Akiva, those five students, for the five students that continue the Torah that you are benefiting from today. So you can see the massive failure, the massive failure of 24,000 students dying, the massive failure of 60 people dying, 60 of, of Boaz's children dying, and yet he got remarried? There's people today that don't get remarried because they're afraid of what people are going to think. Look at the amount of resilience. Look at the opposite of a healthy self-esteem. That means they don't expect this, but they're going to get up really, really quickly. And the last thing that we want to speak about is the way you, the last two things, the way you treat people, people with health, healthy self-esteem, steam, they treat people nicely, treat people the right way. They treat themselves nicely, but they also treat others nicely. They're not going to dump all the garbage on them. They're not going to go dump all their negative, negative feelings on people. People with healthy self-esteem have a realistic view of life, treat people with respect. They don't have to insult them. They don't have to, to blame them for things that, they, that, that failed in their own lives. They recognize, yes, I have to work on this. But the last thing they'll do is treat people and abuse people and verbal abuse. It, it, the, the reason why you're doing it is because you have no coping system and you and you just rather, the ego would rather project it on somebody else and again, taking responsibility. So healthy self-esteem, your relationships with others are much better because you, you treat them with respect, exactly how you are to be treated. But people with low self-esteem, they're going to just treat people terrible. Like 
what do we say? Hurt people, hurt others. Why? Because there's no self-esteem. No self-esteem. They're, they 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 want they need to somebody needs to take accountability for, for what's happening in their lives. God forbid they should take accountability. But this is very connected to low self-esteem. And the last one is your mood. Your mood. Your mood is a shadow of your self-esteem. So really how your constant moods and mood, it's really how you feel about yourself is really how you're putting that energy into the world. So I hope this helps. I hope this helps. There's a thousand issues here. I review this same. I really went deep into the subject. But when you really work on yourself by forgiving yourself, by having self-love, by recognizing life is a journey, not, not, it's just not, it's not an instant gratification, by be staying in your own lane, by treating people respectfully, working on yourself, you'll see the difference, how you, everything else will blossom. But when, when none of these things are working, then what happens is the, the outside looks ugly and the inside is ugly, unfortunately. All right? I'm willing today, since we have a lot of time, I'm willing to take some questions. Gedalia, could you quickly go over the 13 points? I did a little bit of a challenge on the, on the 13 points. But no, number one would probably be discipline. It, would, it gives you discipline. It gives you the ability to, to, to look forward in the, fu- in the future. Second would be self-pity, not needing self-pity from others, but looking to be, instead of looking for self-pity, asking, looking what you can give to others. The third one would be they wouldn't be shy, shy away from change. They would, their perspective is much wider. The fourth one would be they have a better spiritual connection, and they're more likely to not quit so easily when they're dealing with their creation. The five, they're not dependent on other people for ple- people-pleasing. Number six, they're, really, they're willing to take risks. They're willing to take risks in life. Um, seventh, they don't dwell on the past excessively. They recognize the, the, past, the purpose of trauma was not to break them, but, but to make them. Um, they don't, uh, where are we at, eight? You're at seven right eight. now. You just said you just seven. said seven. Okay, they don't fear, they take responsibility. They're able to draw malchut. They take responsibility, they take accountability, etc. Number nine, they don't resent other people's success. They don't, they're not upset, they're not, they don't blame others for for their lack of success, et cetera. Um, what are we on, 10? You're at 10 right now. Okay, they don't fear alone time. It's another thing we spoke about, not fearing alone time. That's, a, that's 11, 12 is- No, the way, that was the 10. Way they, they don't feel- 10. Yeah, now you're 11. Oh, they don't feel alone time? 11 is they, they don't expect immediate results. They don't have a quick expectation of the media. It has to, it has to, it's not working. No, sometimes, do, for me, I relapsed seven times when I gambled. I didn't get it the first time. I got it the eighth time. So expecting immediate results is, is an issue. Um, 11? 11, uh, 11? You're at 12. 12, the way they treat others, the relationship with other people will be much better because they will not seek to dump all their negativity on other people. They'll know how to process them. They'll know how to have a mood. And number 13, their mood. Their mood, 99% of our decisions are based on our mood. And the way we, and our decisions are based on how we feel about ourselves. So our mood, the way we feel about ourselves is how usually we, we treat others. This is a list that I came up with. It's just, I came up with it as we were speaking. 
I had bullet points, but it's just the flow came from above. One of the viewers posted something really nice. Self-esteem is the result of the relationship you have with yourself. Correct. Yep. Correct. Okay. No, correct. Okay. So the first question here is, I am so ag uh, arrogant. Uh, where do I start with getting the self-esteem? How does a self-hater break this vicious cycle? Right. The first, the first is being aware of what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing. Like listening to a class, is this the first step to explain to you that self-esteem, being, being arrogant, being the real reason behind being arrogant is really being self-centered. You're the center of attraction. So the key is really to remove yourself, to think, not think less of yourself, but think of yourself less. So the way to do it is really learn, learn about it. First, you have to learn about it. You have to learn about the concepts. And then when you learn about the concept, then you can, you need that. The more you learn about the concept, the more you develop your new mindset. And you'll start, all of a sudden, the same things you would normally do before, you would now you make adjustments. So, for example, so make an excuse, you'd make an adjustment. So take this list that I came up with and really, 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 you know, get into it and then and see how, how, how much your relationships, how much everything else will change. Okay. I know in general, we're not supposed to say Taylim after sunset, but on the 40 day challenge, can you say Tikkun Akhali at any time at night? And if you have sources, right. So go ahead. If you haven't finished, if you hadn't had the opportunity to say it that day, could you right. say it at night? Many, many, 50, 50, many people have said you could, there's, you could, you could, you could, there's sources you could, but generally we don't say to him at night, but I've had, I've, I've gone to Uman where I've said it at night to my, my rabbi said, I asked my rabbi, Rabbi Kramer, he said, no problem. But, but, but the, the better to say it in the first thing in the morning, because what happens is if you start saying it at night, you're going to end up forgetting it. The key is really to get it first thing in the morning. Okay. What causes us to feel as though everything hap everything that's happening is happening to us and not for us? Right. A lot of this mindset, a lot of being in a, in a self-centered mindset, low perspective. And when we have low perspective, we, we don't see the big picture. You know, it's almost like coming into a middle of a movie and saying, I can't believe what, what's happening in this movie. I don't understand it. Well, did you look at how about the beginning of the movie? How about the end of the movie? You can't just come into the middle of a movie and say, I don't like the way things are going. There's a, there's a big picture in life. So healthy perspective sees the big picture. A very narrow perspective only sees, like today, you look at what's going on and you see many people unfortunately are victims and they're victims too. They think America is the worst country in the world. Oh, really? America is the worst country in the world. Why don't you go to Guatemala and see what's going on over there? Why don't you go to Venezuela? You think you're living in the worst country in the world? You think yeah, there's an opportunity because of racism? Go to a different country and you'll see what America is. So what happens is sometimes your perspective is off. Sometimes you have to go to a third world country to recognize the opportunities you have in this country. And then you'll probably pretty much shut your mouth. Your perspective, your perspective is off. Your perspective is off because your ego is blocking your perspective. That's what ego does. Ego doesn't allow me to see the big picture. Ego only allows me to see the short term, what I want to see. Okay. 
is it a hundred percent to us to decide if we allow how people's words change our mood? You said that if someone says something not very pleasant to you, it makes you feel in a certain way. And that means that you gave them the power to control your feelings. My question is that, is it always up to us to decide if uh, we're allowing someone's words to affect us? The answer is yes. I'll explain to you why. When you're in a good mood, let's say you won the million dollar lottery. Let's say you won a lottery for a million dollars. And all of a sudden your aunt is bothering you all the time. She tells you, I can't believe you don't like that guy. I can't believe that you, you let that guy go. Normally that comment would bother you. But she's telling you, oh, you're single, but you just want a million dollars. You're like, leave me the hell alone. I just want a million dollars. All of a sudden, everything shifted to, there's a much bigger picture going on. Then I have to worry about what she's yapping away, telling me that I'm not getting married early enough. So it's always, the way we feel about ourselves is how we interpret what things mean to people, what other, what other people say to us. So if we have a health, if we're happy, things are going to get, we're going to get things different meaning. But if we're not happy, if we're not in a good state, then we're going to take other people's garbage and just make it about us. It's not an easy thing, guys. Let's be honest. This is a very difficult thing. We know a lot of people have major emotional issues. But remember the concept that hurt people hurt others. Stress people dump their stress on other people. If people, if we don't have a proper system of letting go, then what do we do? We, we all, all day long, we're just transferring negative energy to everybody else. It's called displacement of energy. I'm displacing my energy and displacing it somewhere else where it doesn't belong. A girl who, who's fire, who's, who, the, the, a girl, a good example would be a girl who, who shows up the worker for her, her boss yells at her because the, the boss is stressed out. And he yells at her for no reason. He lost the customer. The boss is yelling at the girl and the girl comes home and throws, throws a bone to her dog and, and hits him in the face instead of giving him nice squeezes. What did the dog do? Well, the dog's been sitting here doing nothing, <laughs> but she had a bad day. She came home and she, instead of giving the food to the dog nicely, she took it and said, here, take the, take the food. What did the dog do? What could the dog do to have a better emotional uh, parent? The dog's sitting on the ground. What do you want from the dog? What did the dog do to you? I'm just giving you an example. But if she, let's say that same day she gets a raise. She comes home. She sees the dog. She kisses the dog, the puppy. She buys the puppy treat. And next thing you know, the puppy's super happy. Both things had nothing to do with the dog. It had to deal with how that woman felt about herself coming home. So if you look at this example, it's pretty much all the time. It's usually the meaning we give to something. Okay. What tips can you offer someone who is working on rebuilding their self-esteem but living in an environment that's very toxic and challenging? Right. Right. I would start by recognizing that the toxic people in, in like, like, like I said, the 13th cent, the way treat, people treat you why in the world would I treat somebody bad? Why would I treat them? Why would I be, why would I insult them? Why would I yell at them? Why would I do something like that? It's because I'm holding in stress and I'm just stuck. I mean, that person just becomes the displacement of energy. So what happens is first, recognize that, just become an observer, recognize that this is the way they're not emotionally capable to give. Remember, if you ask me for $100, I only have $50. I can't give it to you. I don't have it. 
So most people don't have this emotional capacity to give to other people, and they just don't know how to communicate. So they just yell and vent and, and scream and just become completely, you know. So again, don't, number one is learn about it, learn all these steps, listen to the class, process it, pray about it, and then you'll recognize that you're, you're taking things too personal. You're taking things too personal. That's why it makes it toxic. Okay. Uh, the viewer is asking that you mentioned that we need to be nice to ourselves and judge ourselves favorably, but we are. when are we supposed to do our cheshbon nefesh and recognize our faults? How does that work? Right. Great question. So what you have to recognize is you're here in this world to repair, not to despair. So we have a lot of faults that we need to fix. We have to do the cheshbon nefesh. But like Rabbi Nachman said, talk about the Hashbon Nefesh for one hour a day. The rest of the 23 hours, you should walk around with a smile. Check in. Yes, Hashem, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. I need to work on this. What we want to avoid is the shame and guilt. I made a mistake. I need to do better. I'm praying for it. I'm developing it. But at the end of the day, then the rest of it is, is you have to move on with your day. You can't walk around with excessive guilt. This is exactly what people do. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. You're going to have issues. That's what Rabbi Nachman always advises, to focus on the Zamra. Zamra is always focusing on your good points, focusing on what's right in your life, not what's wrong. And believe it or not, this is why Rabbi Nachman is all, he said to do this first thing in the morning, because in the morning itself is usually where you're going to be more prone to negativity. You went to sleep with a problem, you woke up with a problem you had, and this is why we say the brachot every single day, where if you recognize how we sing the, the brachot, we're saying, Hashem, thank you for not making me a slave. Thank you for not for giving me an eyesight. What am I really doing with when I'm saying the morning brachas? I'm extracting the good from the bad. I'm taking the good points out of all the bad. So when I have enough things that I, I, I judge myself favorably, then Hashem is going to judge me favorably. Because guess what's going to happen? If you judge yourself favorably, you know what's going to end up happening? You're going to judge others favorably. But when you don't judge yourself favorably and you hate yourself, you know what you're going to do? You're going to view the whole world, and you're going to judge them more favorably. And that, and what are you going to do? What are you doing with that? You're really you're part of destruction of the world, not rebuilding the world. Okay. What if a person grew up being bashed constantly and degraded, but by their parents? How can this person start to develop uh, their self-esteem and right. build up their confidence? Right. Right. So I, I, it's, a lot of the questions are very similar, but it, it's pretty much the same thing. You, it, it's never too late to have a happy childhood if your parent is not able to give because they're not emotionally able to give. Then you took it too personal. You're not in the pathway. As a child, we don't know how to process. If somebody treats us nice, we think that we're doing really good. If somebody doesn't treat us nice, we think we're the bad ones. So as, as children, we don't know how to process these things. So we, we don't really know how to process it. So we just think, oh, we're, we're, the, we're in the path of our, our parents' happiness, or we're in the, or the, we're in the path of our, their own happiness. So what happens is what, you, what you're working with is you're working with a lot of unprocessed memories, and these memories, you haven't really put it together. You know, my father left me when I was eight years old, and, he, and my mother got divorced. And somehow, luckily, I was working, I was busy, but that story could have gone, wow, he must have left me because I'm not worthy. He must have left me because he didn't want to be with me. He must have left me because between you and me, it had nothing to do with me. My parents got a divorce. My mother moved to, to Miami. 
Palestine and Colombia. What does it have to do with me? Just a kid. And when we recognize we're just children, the way the parents don't know how to treat others. If, if the parent doesn't know how to treat a child, that has, it's really nothing to do with you. Never too late to have a happy childhood. But how you have to rename and you have to have mercy for your parents instead of toxic to show them that, you know, they weren't able to give you at that time. David Lieberman is really great on, on many books on that, on trauma and stuff like that. Okay. Sometimes the trauma is so deep and it takes time to heal. What would, what would take, uh, what would cause the time to, give me a second. What, what would that take more time? to get a higher self-esteem? That's the question. Sometimes trauma is so deep, it takes time to heal. Right. Would that take more time to get you to a uh, higher self-esteem? Depending on how your self-esteem is, you, you're gonna look at the trauma as a different way. Some people look at it as a, a, a trauma as a challenge, and some people look at tra- trauma as a threat. Um, you know, when we speak, about, we speak about trauma all the time, it's called the shattering of the vessel. A, a vessel shattered in your life and your job is to pick up the pieces and rebuild the bigger one not to think about the, the pieces being broken and how somebody scarred you and again the only real remedy is obviously you need therapy you, you know you need to put meaning to it but really the, the are you know talk about the holocaust what what was the best way to fix the holocaust to build to build yeshivas in america what's the best way for you know, Boaz to recover from losing 60 children to get remarried to Ruth and have and have uh, Dovin and Mel from this. Yeah, I mean, what is what is the best remedy but but post-traumatic growth? Ultimately, our goal through spirituality is to turn post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth. That is really what we're here for. You have to understand your mission statement. Your mission here in this world is to grow, is to elevate darkness to light. That's why I speak, I speak so much of the darkness. I speak so much of what to do with the breaking. But originally in life, like I said many times, the problem is usually the solution. That means the problem itself is the spiritual awakening. The addiction itself is the spiritual awakening. If it wasn't for that issue, I would never be here today. That's ultimately what we have to do. We have to take the, the, the darkness itself and recognize that darkness itself is the light. And we have to transform it and elevate it. That's what we're here in this world. That's why I, I, I strongly recommend getting into Rav Nachman's teachings, listening to my classes more, because eventually what's going to happen is little by little you're going to build momentum and the new you is going to be built. Um, listening to one class here and there might help you, but if you're really struggling with something, you really need a massive, massive new direction. Okay. What advice do you have for someone who grew up with the mentality to question everyone and everything? And this person right now is really trying hard to follow the Breslov teachings and do the right things. So right. what advice do you have for someone in that position? Are they an earth? Ask, ask them if they're an earth sign. <laughs> I'm sure they're listening. If they're an earth sign, listen, some people have a eighth the heart for this. You know, we all have, remember, Earth, fire, water, and air. We all have a tendency to have an issue in our lives. Some people have more anger than others. Some people have more uh, a bigger problem with addictions than others. Some people are more prone to uh, to have less stability in life and, and not be not be focused. Some people have a problem with with 
being too rational and not letting things go and just having a simple faith. So usually earth signs have that usually issue. The, the, the Capricorn, the, not so much the Capricorns, but the Tauruses. They have a lot of friends that are Taurus. They, they need to see it to believe it. They're very earthy. They're very, they need to, it's constant proof. And really, we're not, a miracle is nothing proof about a miracle. You have to almost enhance a new belief to get it. So it could be in that situation is you have to recognize that the moon is all about the not, not what is, what, what could be. You know, when, it, when, it's, when, when a person goes to a rabbi and he's going to a rabbi and the rabbi is telling him, listen, rabbi, I got a divorce, I got all these issues. And the rabbi is telling him to start planning your uh, Thanksgiving meal for when you're going to get out of this issue. The guy's going to look at the rabbi like, what are you, crazy? What do you mean I'm talking to you about an issue? What are you talking about a Thanksgiving meal and the suda? He won't comprehend because what happens is when we lose trust, we, don't, we can't see beyond the immediate moment. So that's a problem. When you, trust gives you vision. And when you're very logical in life, you lose that vision. You have, to, you have to see it to believe it. So it could be that you have an issue with that, that, that you need to work on. Okay, I have a question. So since everyone is, you know, majority of the people, the listeners are, you know, getting more familiarized with the 40-day challenge and the Tikkun HaKlali and, um, you know, for the men watching their eyes and the women, uh, you know, the whatever they're uh, they were so uh, told to do by the mentors on the group um how would you know doing the 40-day challenge build people's self-esteem and self-confidence could you touch on that topic please sure sure great question always a great question for me you know. the bottom line is the, the 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 issue with pornography and masturbation and watching these things you're getting a lot of instant gratification so you have no, you lost your discipline. You have low self-control. So what happens is, if you instead of dealing with pain and using pain as growth, we're we're escaping from pain by getting free dopamine. So what happens is, is you you start recognizing that you're not a, you're not resilient. That when things hit you hard, you can't handle them. You'd rather escape. So basically, inside your soul is telling you you're not you're not growing. And when you don't grow, you can't be happy and you can't have all this self-esteem. So first of all, when you take a dopamine detox, your brain's going to start recognizing that I can get, I, I can be happy from the little things. You know, imagine a guy's on 200% dopamine and you tell him, listen, hit a goal. Uh, hit, work out for 30 minutes in the treadmill and, and, and be happy. He's going to be like, Wait, I get 200% dopamine. Uh, I don't know, this is what, 40%, 40, 40, 40% dopamine, 50% dopamine. It's not, not quick enough. The reason why this problem is such a big problem is, is because your dopamine receptors are out of whack. You have no ability to develop proper dopamine by hitting a goal and, 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 and having that process bite. Instead, you have this instant gratification and nothing can ever meet that level. So that's the one of the, one of the things is you don't earn it, bottom line. You're going to have shame. Anytime you get something without earning it, it's going to have shame. And shame obviously makes you lose your self-esteem. So you feel a lot of shame. You're walking around with shame. You're getting free things without rewarding it. I mean, tell a guy, you know, imagine a guy is going to a wedding that he didn't get invited to. And every night he shows up to everybody's wedding that he never got invited to. He eats, he eats meals. He's not coming home at night and sleeping good. He's like, yeah, I, I ate for free, but nobody invited me. Deep down in his soul, he feels tremendous shame. So there's no possible way this person will feel good about himself. Getting something for free without earning it is shame. 
Okay. This is why most addicts have tremendous shame. You're talking about um, not being codependent on people. Sure. So, so a viewer is asking a question. If I'm doing a new thing I've, that I've never done before, and I have a friend, for instance, that's good at it, then how could I not be codependent in a situation like that? I, I don't understand the question. I'm okay. sorry. Go ahead. The question was in regards to not being uh, codependent on other people. So the viewer right. is asking, if I'm doing a new thing that I've never done before, and I have a friend, for instance, that, that's good at that thing, how could I not be codependent on that person? How could I not depend on that person to help? Right. Me? Right. But that's not, that's not codependent. You, you're getting advice from somebody. Maybe you, you just because you're, you, you like somebody and somebody's advising you and he's helping you out, that's not being codependent. Codependent is a person in a relationship where they're, they're constantly needing that person to, be, to feel happy if they don't get them or they're always, they're always, they feel, they feel abandonment. So we're always, clinging onto that person. They're not giving that person space. That's what I think was the codependency that we're talking about here. Here you're talking, look, maybe you have a mentor and you're getting advice from them. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about real relationships out of fear of abandonment is, is, is the, what we're talking about here. Fear of abandonment, not being worthy enough to feel worthy enough. So you have to cling onto that person and not give them space and you become codependent. Okay, I think that that is it for the questions tonight. Great. Uh, Dalia, uh, people just want to know how is it going to work next week? Are we going to have Zoom? Are we going to have Facebook? Are they going to be able to? I think well, I, 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 we have to explore I, how many people are in Zoom. If, 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 I'd rather do Facebook Live unless there's a lot of people on Zoom. But Facebook Live is what we usually, usually do. Okay, and in terms of questions, how do you want to move forward with that? Do you the want questions to... might be tough. We, we might do. We might have to have. We have to figure out the question situation. Maybe we we'll have to have... figure it out because there's a crowd. We have maybe, to figure out. Maybe we could have people sending their questions earlier. Could be. Could be. That's yeah, really maybe we could do topic. that. All right. Again, yeah, everyone, it was a true pleasure doing this for the past few months. Uh, I gained a lot. I hope everyone else has gained. And uh, yeah. Well, remember, it's Tuesday night in Miami. Tuesday nights in Miami, believe it or not. It's going to be Tuesday nights. Maybe we'll do one week here, one week there. We'll figure it out. But for sure, next week, Tuesday night, is definitely going to be in, um, in the lighthouse. Gadalia, thank you again. Okay, guys. Guys, have a great night. Okay? Bye-bye.